The world is a new place, and we're all making adjustments. It moves faster and changes direction more frequently than ever before. People feel stuck, unfulfilled, and lost in their lives. I hear this all too often. Where are the answers? Someone please just give me the answers. Well, what if I told you the answers are finally here? My name is Scott McDonald, and I was once just like you. Join me on my process of personal development, pathway of success, and pursuit of happiness. For you see, my job isn't just to ask questions. My job isn't to just listen. My job is to ensure what happened to me does not happen to you. This is the Real Experience Student Athlete Podcast. Today I'm joined by Kiri Langford, who is a strength conditioning specialist with the Canadian Sport Institute of Ontario. Kiri also runs her own performance coaching business where she specializes in mental skills. Uh, Kiri, it's fantastic to have you here. I've been waiting for this for a couple of weeks now, but finally you're here. And how's everything going? What's going on Ooh, in your world during you've the- been uh, waiting? You've been waiting a few weeks? Woo. Waiting, waiting well, a I'm waiting a well, lifetime to be honest, but you know, we'll get into that little story later. Well, I am excited <laughs> to be here. I'm really excited to be here. It's amazing what you're doing with this platform. And so I'm happy to share any knowledge that can hopefully help any athletes out there along their own journeys. Perfect. I love it. So what's going on in your world right now? I know uh, everyone's routine is thrown off and you deal with a ton of athletes and uh, not everyone can be, uh, you know, in their uh, strict uh, regimen like we usually are. What's what's going on in your world right now? Yeah, well, a little bit of the world turned upside down right now with COVID, but I like, I think this is what sport does, right? It, 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 prepares us for adversity and uncertainty and there's definitely a ton of uncertainty going on right now and change. I am currently back in the town I grew up of of Blue Mountain and living in with my parents in the same bedroom I did as a as a high school kid. So it's beautiful. It's it's so nice to get out of the city. I am more of a small town girl, so I I'm enjoying nature i'm enjoying being able to be back at home but it's definitely different and it it took a i i have to be honest it did it took it took three four days of adjusting and me wondering what the heck is going on like um i feel like i'm all over the place my brain like not able to focus so i feel like i'm starting to kind of reground myself get back into a routine and start to kind of enjoy this uncertainty and be okay with the uncertainty. You know, it's funny. I've been working from home from the last five years and people are always like, I don't know how you do that. I would go crazy. But now you all are in my world. Yeah. And, I, and now well, all of you are running for the hills. I'm the one who is flourishing a time like this because I've been like the common bear cultivating as much fat as I could. 
and now living off it. So <laughs> jokes on everyone. And I'm just teasing, just trying to keep things nice and light here. Yeah. Um, so what's go? So what's going on in 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 your world right now? Like you're doing uh, strength training at the uh, Sports Institute of Ontario. You're doing your performance coaching. A lot, a lot of cool stuff that, and a lot of relatable stuff to our audience with student athletes. So, um, yeah, just give us a little bit of uh, a background on that, like you know, just how you got into it, and and really, uh, what 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 drives you, like when when you wake up in the morning and think, okay, here I get to go doing what I love. Yeah. Okay. So, two questions. First one, what the heck do I do? Because it is a good mix of lots of things. And what drives me? Those are the two questions. What kind of drives me? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so first one, what it is that I do. So I really do have two different streams, strength and conditioning, and then the mental performance. So first, strength and conditioning. Uh, I work at Canadian Sport Institute Ontario, and I'm. it's so amazing just to be in a facility with so many like-minded, intelligent people who are we're currently, you know, we're, we're constantly trying to improve the world of sport. And we have lots of different disciplines from strength and conditioning being a big discipline, but we also have sport physiology, which if you don't know what that is, it's a little bit of kinesiology, but understanding how the body works. And if you ever heard of kind of like VO2 max, that's yep. a lot of kind of what, and lactates, it's it's this a lot of the science side of things. So that's what exercise, what physiologists do. Um, we have sport nutrition, we have mental performance, we have um, a whole team. Oh, did I say physiotherapy? All in this one facility where we have different provincial and national level athletes that we are providing services to. And so I'm fortunate to work with an amazing bunch of athletes, lots of different sports. So I usually have to always count it out, make sure I don't forget any. So I have provincial freestyle ski. So that's both slope style ski and um, moguls athletes that I work with. Provincial beach volleyball. Uh, provincial equestrian I just started a few months ago um, national women's softball I've been working with almost since I started in 2017 um, and really helping them prepare for Tokyo which again lots of uncertainty of what's gonna go on forward with Tokyo um, and them and then the last group I work with is national archery and so my background is hockey and I don't know, is hockey on that list? Absolutely not. And actually, yeah. that's something that's different finally on, on one of our earlier episodes, uh, one of our earliest episodes with you being on, is most of our guests have ha had the hockey background and have talked about their teachings to relate to student athletes. But now we have you who's in this whole world, in this big, wide range yeah. of all these sports. How, how do you find working with you know, all these different athletes from these other sports worlds that you did not grow up around? Yeah, well, and just funny side comment, like Canadian Sport Institute Ontario, there's institutes all in the main cities across um, Canada, but not many people know about it. So if you're, if you're interested in those fields and um, it's something you're interested in and you're wanting to work at, with high level athletes, we're almost like hidden in the corner, right? So for anybody also out there, it's it's an amazing institute that it, it's, I can only see it grow 
throughout the years. But your next question, sorry, was about what's it like to be around all those different sports oh, considering that you grew up playing yes, hockey? Different sports. Okay, well, I also used to work with artistic swim. So also used to be called synchronized swimming, but recently changed to artistic swimming. Um, that one was different. I never worked with it. And it was an amazing learning experience. I never worked with, you know, I don't want to say it, but kind of like girlier sports, like, you know, perf no, this is a better way to say it performing sports where, you know, like figure skating, dance, and amazing, artistic, yeah, artistic, and like an amazing sport. It definitely eye-opened to how amazing the sport is, but it was a different, it was very different from hockey. They, you know, hockey players, they come in, they're like, yeah, let's get after it. I want to be in the gym. Artistic swimmers? No. They didn't naturally just want to be in the gym. Right. And so teaching them, okay, how do we move properly? And I had this whole fear in mind that, you know, they're afraid of lifting heavy weights and some of them were right. So how my approach totally had to change for how I was able to keep these young teenage girls motivated in a sport that totally different than what I'm used to. And then same with archery, right? That's a very different sport. And um, it's an individual sport. Um, one of the best things that has helped me kind of understand the sport and get to know the athletes as well is I've been going to the range and I try to do it twice a month. I've been going to the range. I've been shooting myself. You know, it's not bad when I'm getting the national level coaches teaching me how to take up the, the sport right and so I'm I'm actually wondering if it starts to get a little warmer maybe I'll be able to take my bow and go in the backyard right so it but being able to understand the sport and sometimes be able to take a step back and just say hey you know what's this? Like the amount of thing, like, what's this? What's this? What's this? What's this? Like just things that if you know the sport, you would not be asking, but I am just totally okay with asking and saying, Oh, sorry. Oh, what, how, how many ends do you guys have again? Okay. I know how many ends I have now, but at the beginning, right. I, I, it, I just kept asking to really start to immerse myself in the sport so then I could be able to talk that same language with them. And I'm still learning. Like when I have five sports, it's tough to, like I go to the freestyle ski and I just try to list the names. Okay. How many rotations? That's one, two. Okay. Switch cork. Like I just, I, I'm still working on some of the lingo, but I think being able to actually be, immersed in the sports watching them practice has been one of the best things that have really helped me to learn the culture and then once I can understand the culture it allows me to also to being immersed in the sports and going to practice and stuff it helps me to just chat with the athletes and get to know them and then taking that time to reflect well what's the biggest thing we need to work on what's like for some of my athletes, sometimes it's just getting them into the gym, right? 
how can we work on, you know, being really explosive and really strong if they're not even working out? So sometimes I have to kind of also meet the sport where they're currently at and say, okay, this is the biggest thing we're working on right now and working with the coaches. And so it's been, it's been fun. It's, it's been, sometimes I get in my own head and I'm like, I think I'm not good enough to do the job. And then, but as time goes on, I'm reminded and say, Hey, no, I know my shit. My athletes, they appear to like me, which is great. I like them and we're getting results. And I know I'm, I'm just entering my career. So I know I'm only going to get better as the time goes on. It almost sounds like you're going through, you know, and we'll relate this to hockey is like when you get to the next level, now there's this whole new world being thrown at you. And the other thing is for our audience to actually hear, even at the highest level, some of these talented human beings are with the highest level of opportunity still struggle just to, do something as simple as getting to the gym and doing their program. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and that's where it differs from sport to sport. And even, even take hockey, for example, hockey does have a good culture around working out. And I work with the women's national softball team. Let me tell you, that is one of the most motivated groups that I have worked with. And they, they want to get after it, but I see them sometimes. They have to motivate themselves as well in the long grind of the summer when it's go, 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 go. They, don't, they look at me and I'm like, oh, goodness, I'm going to be the bad person and, and they're not going to like me. And, and this is something that I really struggled with when I first got into it, where it's like, just because I'm making them do conditioning, which... Scott, how many people like to do conditioning, right? Not many I do people. every day of my life. What are you talking um, you, about? Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> love it, right? Like not people, most don't people ha- naturally don't love to do conditioning. So it was almost like I was afraid to prescribe them something challenging because I wanted them to like me. But then how am I able to get them to that physical level that they needed to be? if I wasn't putting their body through that stress, through that conditioning. And so once I was able to really flip that to be like, yeah, that's okay if they don't like me, like if they don't like me for this conditioning, that doesn't mean that they don't like me as a person. And really getting out of my own head where it's like, Kiri, what is the best thing for the athlete? yes, doing this conditioning is the best thing for the athlete. And in the moment, I, I now tell them, I now tell them, that's okay, you guys can hate me. You guys will get better, right? And so it's so interesting when I reflect back on, you know, when I first started to now and trying to please the different cultures to now where when they groan and say, oh, do we need to instead of cutting a set off or, you know, maybe being a little bit lighter or saying, oh yeah, no, just, just do it on your own time, knowing that they probably won't. I'm 
I'm a lot more, my approach to it is different and getting just like they're getting uncomfortable doing the conditioning. I'm getting uncomfortable coaching and having, how do I deal with being challenged? Right. As a coach, we're all going to be challenged. And I feel like as a coach, you need to take a second to say, Hey, am I making this this decision? Cause I want to be liked right now. Or what is the best decision so this athlete come a month from now, come a year from now, you know, usually Olympics are four years from now, they're going to be, they're going to get that success that they want. And so that's been a growing and learning experience for me too. Something that's, that's I've overcame is that I don't have to love doing the actual task of conditioning but I love the result it gives me and that's the best thing yeah. about it. Cause it's like in David Goggins book, you know, when he talks about taking one soul when he was training to be a Navy, Navy seal, it's almost like, okay, conditioning. I don't like you. And I know you don't like me cause you're making me feel this way. But at the end of the day, I get a result from you that I really like. And even though you tried to crush me, I'm actually crushing you. And I won at the end of the day. And I think that's one way athletes have to look at it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that kind of brings it back around to kind of my performance coaching side of things where why it's so important to understand what your why is. Understand what motivates you. Understand what wakes you up in the morning and really you're understanding because you're going to have resistance. You're going to have times where you do not want to do it. And it will be a lot easier to just sit back onto the couch and, you know, let that Netflix go around and have another, and yeah, I'll just watch one more show. Yeah. I'll just watch one more show. It's easy to make those decisions, but you need to be, you need to have a why you need to have something that is, you know, so clear and you want so badly. That's going to pull you towards that decisions. So when you have that resistance of, I don't want to do this, you know, I got to get up and get off my butt and get going. So, and that's where a lot of kind of what I do on the performance side of things and the mental skills, because I, I guess I didn't really go into that. So that was just the strength and conditioning, but I also have my own business where I do work with athletes, helping them to understand their mindset. And one of the big things is understanding what is it that motivates them. And so as we are athletes and we go, 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 what's the next practice? What's the next game? What's the next team, the next league the, and, and everything like that. We don't take a step in a, a second quite often to step back and say, well, why, why am I busting my butt spending out all these hours in the car, you know, driving to the rink, driving to the field, giving it all that I have. Why am I even doing that? And so sometimes it can be just so powerful to take a step back. And this is what I, I explain people a lot of times what mental skills are is you're putting together a plan because life is going to give you resistance. So do you want to be ready for that resistance or do you want to just react 
whatever way and not have a plan at all for when that resistance comes. Because if you don't have a plan at all, you're going to always revert back to your habits. And some habits are great. That's awesome. But quite often you're going to revert back to a habit and you're going to then stay the same. If you're never changing your habits, then you're always going to stay the same. So being able to put a plan in place and just have a strategy for how you're going to cope and how you're going to make decisions allows the brain to say, Hey, I've been here before, or maybe I told myself I'm going to be here. Oh, that's right. I know what I'm supposed to do. That's right. That's right. I'm going to tell myself X, Y, Z, whatever it might be. And a lot of times it's changing what we choose to focus on and that, and, and what's that language we use that's going to help to motivate us. So going back to that one point, if we know why we're doing things, and we've already taken the time to reflect on why it is that we're doing things. When we get that resistance, when we want to stay on the couch, it's a lot easier. I'm not saying it's automatic right away, but it's easier to continue to get off the couch and do what it is that's going to help take you closer to your goals. That's going to help you to get to that higher level and perform and, and really become your best self athlete person what's the most common challenge that your athletes go through like i know there everyone's has is, is different but what's the most common what's the, the big challenge that pops up most frequently time not having enough time and is that a excuse that they're using I always see not having enough time is not having clarity around your priorities. Because time, it's, a, it's one of our most precious resources. And we're always, you know, once we have a moment, that moment is gone. And we, we can never get time back. And so we really actually, if you, you know, look at it, we actually have a lot of hours in the day and in weeks and life, but a lot of times it's spent doing things that maybe aren't the number one on our priority. Um, and so if we don't have clarity around what our priorities are, it can make it very tough to be able to achieve our goals. And I know it's something that I struggle with because I, I like to be social. I like, like, I like, I like, I'm a little bit of an extrovert. I like to still be able to catch up with my friends and stay in touch with them. Um, but sometimes I know if I have this goal that is so big, I need to make sure that I'm saying no to some of those things to allow me to have the things that I do want. And so I think athletes, everybody in life, we're just trying to figure out, well, where do I want to be investing my time? And it's the other thing too, even when you feel like you think you got to figure it out where you want to be investing your time, life changes. And your priority, you know, 
change too. So it's something that's nice quite often to be able to come back to a few times throughout the year and reflect, hey, how am I doing on where I spend my time? How do athletes learn how to manage their time? Like that's obviously something that we've talked about before in the past, actually. There is no course on it, even though that's something I'm going to develop a patent, obviously. <laughs> but what can mm-hmm. athletes do to learn to manage their time better in, in such a high-performance lifestyle? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just putting pen to paper, is that just the first step in it all? Yeah, well, I was going to say, because this is such a big question, but I'm trying to think what is like practical, you know, takeaway kind of tips. And when you're looking at time and when you're looking at most things, the first thing usually is just awareness. And are you even aware of the time that you're spending. And I know for myself, I think I'm on Instagram way less than I really am, right? And so it's just being able to have that awareness of, well, where am I spending my time? First thing is, where am I currently spending it? Second thing is, you kind of got to know what your goals are. So if you know what your goals are, then you can, you can say, okay, well, this is where I want to spend my time next, because this is going to help me to get to my goals. Right? Because if we don't even know where our goals are, and you're like, okay, well, where do I want to spend my time now? Well, hopefully you're going to spend your time towards something that's going to lead you to where you want to go. If not, you're just going to end up getting more lost in the forest. So I think being able to take a step back and reflect on some of those things of where it is you want to go, what's currently helping you to achieve your goals. So there might be things that you're currently doing that you want to keep doing. Awesome. Keep doing. But there might also be things that are holding you back right now. So what are the things you might need to stop doing? And our brain loves clarity. So really to be able to, um, do an activity like that where you have one to two actionable goals where it's like, okay, I'm going to get up at 7 a.m. every morning. I am not going to snooze. I've been snoozing lately since this whole (laughs) Corona thing. I think the whole world is. (laughs) Right? It is. It's tough with this whole, well, I don't have anything till way later in the day, but. It's a license to be lazy. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But just to kind of follow up on that question of kind of how to help athletes gain more time, I would say first have that awareness around where they're currently spending their time. Second, and well, going back on that, having that awareness, yeah, maybe you do write down for one day where you're spending it. Do it for a day or two. See where you're spending that time. Two, I really, so point number two, I really recommend take that time 
to outline what your goals are and where you want to go. And then from that, those goals and where you currently are in your life, list out. What are you currently doing well that's leading you to your goals? What's currently taking you away from getting there? And then three really clear actionable steps and coming back to that quite often, right? There's nothing like writing goals, leaving it on a piece of paper and throwing it in the garbage and you never think of it again. It's powerful writing down your goals. It is powerful, but it's way more powerful writing down your goals and telling them to yourself every single day, writing them out every single day, right? Are you gonna write your goals and have them there and maybe think of them? Or are you gonna bring into your conscious mind your goals every single day? And little tips like that is what separates those ones who become those high performers versus the ones who just kind of go through life wondering where they want to go. Out of all the stuff that you do, what's the one part that excites you the most? Like when you, when you wake up and you're like, I cannot wait to start doing this. What, what, what is like that one main thing or, you know, the a combination of a few of them? Mm-hmm. Well, something that I've been super passionate about lately is meditation. And so I started meditating around 2015 and it was really because I've had a bad history of concussions and I noticed, hey, if I just go lie down on my bed for 10 minutes, I seem to feel better. And I was like, oh, isn't this a meditating thing? Now, if you would have told me 10 years ago, hey, you should try meditating, I would have been like, that is such a waste of time. I am not gonna sit down and just close my eyes and do nothing for 10 minutes. What, what are you talking about? That, no, that is a waste of time. Um, but now it's something I do every single day. And now that I have been doing it a little bit off and on at the beginning, but now every single day, it's crazy the benefits that I see in my own life. And, and really, what does it mean to be able to be in the present moment, to be able to connect with myself? But it allows me to connect so much more with the people around me. And I've noticed a huge impact for when I'm on the gym floor, when I'm giving a presentation, um, being able to be a lot more grounded. Um, So I would say my biggest thing is helping others develop their own meditation practice is something that deep down I'm, I, I seem to be very passionate about. I don't know. I, funny, it's usually when I'm doing my own meditation that I call them little downloads. So it's like your intuition, right? So I get these little ideas. And quite often when I'm doing my own meditation practice, I get this idea where it's like, oh, I should run an event. Oh, I should run a hike in meditation. Oh, I want to do March meditation month, which I'm doing right now. Oh, I want to make a meditation doing this. And it allows to create the space for me to get these downloads and then for my day-to-day I put them into action and so 
just because I've had such a huge experience with it in my life, um, I'm wanting to pass that on to, yes, athletes, but really just anybody. And when it's looking at the athlete side of things, you have meditation and then you also have visualization. And so visualization where you're more having that mental imagery where you're closing your eyes and actually you don't always need to be closing your eyes, but where you are picturing yourself performing your sport or it could be for myself. Now I'm doing it more with presentations, right? I'm, I'm creating that full experience of where I am. Can I picture where I am on the stage? Can I picture how I'm feeling, how the audience is feeling, the energy I want to bring? And when you are visualizing, really making sure you're bringing in that emotion. And it's tough. Just like if we're going back to hockey, um, skating, shooting, you know, those are all skills visualization and meditation is a skill as well and you're not going to be an expert your first time you do it it's that consistency and being able to practice it and get in those repetitions where you start to develop that skill where did you first learn to meditate because i know a lot of athletes who ask that like i don't i don't know where to find out how to meditate where did mm-hmm. you first learn so i first learned through headspace so headspace is an amazing app that it has a free 10-day trial um and it has a lot of different meditations another great one is 10 percent happier that also has the a guide of like a little video clip explaining to you and then it has um, a meditation afterwards. So those are good, great to get started places. They have free options so they can get you started, but they also have, if you pay for it, you can go a little bit deeper, but you can get a ton with the free option. And then my go-to place lately is insight timer. Now for beginners, sometimes it's a little bit tougher because there's like thousands of meditations on there and you're you're having to weed through and figure out which ones so i've actually on my instagram on my highlight stories i've started to do fave meditations so you're always welcome at any point in time to go over to my instagram to kind of figure out i have more of a list of kind of 10 20 and i do a little explanation of this is i try to include how long it is sometimes i apologize i forget um but I kind of do a little explanation of what it is and then you can go to the app and find them. So it just kind of helps people a little bit of different needs that they're wanting. So I would say headspace, 10% happier and insight timer. Um, I'm happy to help people start to get into their own meditation practice as well. So happy to answer any more questions individually, but the biggest biggest thing with meditation is just starting. It can be one minute. It can be five deep breaths, right? And it's just starting and then trying to bring it in. If you do it one week and you forget the next, remember, you can do it again and then see about that next day. And um, with, with it, again, it's that practice and it'll come. 
what, what benefits have you experienced since you started meditating? What's what benefit? Well, the main benefit was just being present. I don't think I really didn't understand what being present was. I would be, you know, I would be doing laundry as I was doing laundry. I was like, okay, I need to do this. 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 There's so many things I need to do. And, and I was always constantly like, what's the next thing I need to do? What do I need to do right now? And not necessarily fully paying attention to, um, how I am doing the laundry. Right. And, there's a time for both, right? So uh, the good classic example is when you're driving in your car, right? You're driving in your car and you're thinking, you're thinking, you're thinking, you're like, oh, wow, I'm home. And I don't even remember being there, right? And so, well, were you really fully present being able to feel, right? Okay, I'm clicking the, the, the clicker here. I am turning the wheel. I am doing my shoulder check and really being when we first learn we are, but then it becomes autopilot. And sometimes it's very beneficial. We want that autopilot because that allows us for times that we can do a task without fully having to be engaged and paying attention. However, there's sometimes, especially when you're having a conversation with somebody, and I'm sure we've all done it. I know I definitely have where we're in a conversation and I'm like this is so embarrassing I can't believe I just said that oh does this person like me like I I don't even know like are they even paying attention to me I I, I don't even want to talk to them right now or or you're just trying to you know you're off on your to-do list and so I feel like now um being present I'm I don't have as much as that background chatter going on it's still there. Don't get me wrong. It's still there, but I'm able to notice it a lot more and come into the present moment. And it allows me to be able to express how I really want to feel a lot better and clearer and be able to connect with that person on a deeper level. I feel like that sounds a little, you know, deep but <laughs> I don't know I I I feel like I'm also in the stage of my life where it's like yeah I do want deeper relationships I don't just want superficial relationships I can I completely understand where you're coming from on that do a lot of your athletes uh you know at the uh, institute do they do they make it a part of the regimen meditation or is it something that uh, they're not open to or they're just implementing? Um, what's their take on meditation? Yeah, I think it's always kind of been there in sport visualization. Um, meditation is now getting bigger, right? Because visualization was always there, that mental imagery, but now meditation is getting uh, bigger in sport and it is growing and you know just like any new skill it's the ones who really adopt it i am seeing it a little bit more at that higher level and just to kind of go off that too well why maybe meditation are they bringing in more now and so if you're looking at meditation what a lot of the i kind of like to call it focus type meditations and being mindful and being in the present moment is naturally our mind wanders, 
And through meditation, what we do is we notice that our mind wanders. We just notice. Sometimes you can say, okay, thank you. But then we notice and we come back to that present moment. Instead of noticing and being like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm having this thought. I'm such a bad person for thinking this. And then you go down this other rabbit hole. Think of it in sport. You have so many things going on. You notice you have a thought. The thought could be, I can't believe I made that mistake. Oh, fuck, I can't believe I missed the net. Like, what the heck? Notice you made, you have that thought and come back to the present moment. So that skill that meditation is helping with is being able to notice, not attach to a thought, come back to the present moment and being able to process things that you need that if you think of sport, it's so fast. So you're back in that present moment. You're ready. If you were looking at hockey, you're ready for that next shift. You're not still focusing on what you did in the first period. Do you just meditate in the morning or do you do it uh, in the evening before bed? Like, can, can it be done both? What, what's your take on um, how, how much you can implement in each day? Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like if you were talking to somebody in the Buddhist, they'd say, all the time. And there is definitely, um, the more you do, the better, but there's usually around that 20 minute mark is where they see that's where the most benefit is, but it's so new. There's lots of research still coming out quite a bit of how much is an, is the optimal amount. And so for myself, I usually do 10 minutes and that'll be at least 10 minutes every single morning. And then I do like to kind of like once a month or so do a longer one hour class or I do a lot of floats. So uh, this is, there's no sense, sensory, it's a sen desensitized tank. Um, Close enough. <laughs> yeah, we should really get the language. I love it, but um, so no senses um, and I just, lie in salt water for an hour and it just really allows my mind to calm down because I have that constant go 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 of what I need to be doing next um, and then now that I'm doing March meditation month so I'm challenging myself to do another 10 minutes in the afternoon and I have to say it's been like Five out of the seven days a week, I've been able to get a second meditation in. So I'm working on it too. I find it tougher in the afternoon, evening, because it's not part of my routine yet. The morning is part of my routine and, you know, I'm not allowed to kind of get my coffee until I have done my, my morning meditation. So um, I'm continuing to work on it, right? It's my own practice. It's my own skill that I'm currently working on developing. It sounds like the perfect way to uh, set the tone for the day. Yeah, it really is. Well, you have to think, how are you wanting to prime your day, right? And it kind of reflects back on to right now. I know when everything was starting to go on with COVID, when it first really was starting to come onto the news and, and 
everything is around this. First thing I would do in the morning is get up and listen to the news. And I felt very flustered. I felt like my brain was all over the place. And I've really tried to limit myself of how much I'm watching the news and waiting until noon or later in the day to consume what's going on so then I can start the day off with a calming um, a calming point but I usually do a little bit of visualization as well of how am I wanting to start that day it's basically uh, stand guard at the door of your mind is basically what it's doing for you to prepare for that day that might have its ups and its downs. And I think that's really powerful, especially for an athlete, um, you know, who needs to get that calming, calming sense about their day before they go out and take on the world, because for them, it's a war, you know, they're going battling in the gym, battling on the field or on the court or in the arena. And this kind of gets them to get a level head about it. And approach their day with maybe maybe even maybe even give them a little bit more confidence it sounds like it's capable of even that and then everyone's experience will be different but no that's that's something that's very powerful the more that i start to think about it mm-hmm. we're we're starting to reach our time limit here but there's one question that i ask everybody on the on this show um and it stumps them for maybe three to five seconds and then they they get it out but if 16 year old Carrie langford was sitting across that desk for me right now and you could give her the best advice for her future. What would you say to her? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I listen to a lot of podcasts and they, always, they have this as a common question. Um, 16 year old me. Let's see. So it like so many of my mistakes, my lessons, I feel like have made me who I am and played such a big role, but if I were to go back, I would almost help and give myself some advice to start to go on this uh, journey of discovering growth mindset and self-love sooner. Because Gabrielle Bernstein, she's more in the spiritual world, but she's a great teacher. And she says, life is our classroom. And we are going to continue to get the same life lessons until we learn them. So, yeah, I probably needed all those mistakes, all those lessons. But, like, some of them, especially, I guess, in terms of, like, dating and guys, I'm like, did I need this many lessons? Like, 17-year-old, 20-year-old self, could you have learned that sooner? So... And I think that a little bit comes with the the self-love, right? If I would have had that self-love, that self-respect, that self-acceptance of I don't need that external validation to be good enough and start to discover that I am good enough where I'm currently at, um, then it goes with that growth mindset of I'm going to make mistakes. Let me reflect on it. Let me learn from it that would really be the biggest thing that growth mindset and self-love just helping to nudge me along to discover what it is a little sooner 
I wish, like, I wish I'm like, you doing this now for 16 year olds. I'm like, I wish I would have known this stuff at 16. And that's the reason why we're doing this show. And to quote the Beatles, all you need is love. Carrie, this has been a fantastic experience. I really appreciate you coming on the show. And I know that we'll be having you on for further episodes. We got some roundtable discussions coming up. Uh, we got some, uh, as what we're going to call them, uh, town halls, where we uh, invite uh, you know, some of our athletes on and, and parent groups and that so they can do a Q&A with, uh, with, with people like yourself and myself. And uh, I just know that uh, the impact you're going to have on all, the, all of our listeners is going to go a long way. Thank you so much, Scott. I'm so happy to be here and wishing everybody the best of luck and really just know you're not alone. We're all on our own little journeys here. So I'm excited to help out, especially, especially any, any athlete I'm coming. Absolutely. This is the Real Experience Student Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Scott McDonald, signing out.